welcome back to the Jewish Road Podcast. My name is Matt Davis, and I'm here with Ron Davis. Yeah, that would be me. Uh, we are not brothers. This is a father-son duo. Yep. That's right. So here we are. Um, we are back at it, and uh, we want to dive deep into this idea of this unprecedented union. Have, have you ever seen pe two people who are married, and you just look at them and say, how did that happen? That's an <laughs> unprecedented union. Yeah. Yeah. I've married people like that before. <laughs> what yeah. are these two doing together? What are they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How'd that happen? I mean, honestly, a lot of people, they look at my wife, they look at Marilyn and they say, how did you end up with him? Yeah. <laughs> Poor lady. But it is unprecedented and I'm very thankful for it. But God has brought together uh, really this unprecedented union. And we say that God has two chosen people, which on its nose does not sound right. No, because really he has a chosen people. But today, you know, if we can call it uh, in this way, uh, he has uh, two chosen people. One is a covenant people and one is a commissioned people. Yep. And so we, we did a little bit of an intro. If you missed that, you can check out the last episode. But what we want to do today on this episode is really dive into this covenant people. And that is in particular, the Jewish people. Yeah. And so we want to look at who are the Jewish people and why did God even choose them? And, and we were even just talking, there was a point in time where there was this, uh, this period, this epoch of time where there was not a chosen people of God. Yeah, really the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Yeah. So all of a sudden we get into chapter 12 and we have what we call the Abrahamic covenant. And it says, the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land, which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is really a moment where God puts a stake in the ground, and he says, you are my people. Yeah, um, and the covenant that he made with Abraham was unconditional. And the first part of the promise was that the land involves the land I will show you. And the second part was, I will make you a great nation. And then the third part is that uh, the promise was that in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so that's where we kind of start heading already toward uh, these two chosen people as God is going to bless all of the nations of the earth through Israel and in the day that we live today, we have Israel once again as a sovereign nation in the land, while at the same time, we have the church. Yeah, and, and you hear this and you read this, there's this distinction throughout the Tanakh. And when I say the Tanakh, it's the Old Testament, it's the, Old Testament the Hebrew scriptures. But there's quite a few places that this gets brought out. You have Deuteronomy 7. It says, for you, Israel are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Yeah. Out of all the people, he chose us, the yeah. Jewish people. Yeah, that's amazing. And he didn't choose us because we were the most or we were the smartest. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, if you look at it, God chose us uh, because we were the least, and, uh, you know, he's, he said, I'm going to prove to the world I can take this irreverent people and teach them to worship me. Yeah, and so there is this calling out. You see this even in uh, 2 Samuel. 
Uh, it says, who is like your people, Israel, the one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself by driving out nations and their gods from before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt. He brought his people out. He's chosen them. And, and they didn't even know it, right? They, they had to learn this along the way. It says, you've established your people, Israel, as your very own forever. And you, God, have become their God. You, Yahweh, have become their God. So there's this establishment from the very beginning that God has set apart and he has said that the Jewish people are his people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, God's faithfulness throughout the years just has been astounding with his chosen people. Yeah. So as he's going through, you see that there's a lot of uh, trial and adversity. There's wondering, is God's people, are, are God's people going to actually even continue on? We have a lot of barrenness as you look through the, the book of Genesis. You have all these matriarchs of Israel that, yeah. that could not give birth. If you can't yeah. give birth, you have no nation, you yeah. have no people. Well, it's interesting when God calls Abraham or Abram, uh, he's 99 years old and Sarah is well beyond the years of giving birth. Yeah, it says that her, her womb was like a tomb, right? A <laughs> yeah. grave. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yet God says, you know, a year from now, you're going to have a baby. Yeah, and then they laugh. And they laugh. She, she laughed. That's why they called his name Yitzhak. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, or Isaac. And uh, they have, and then Isaac and Rebecca. Rebecca is barren until Isaac prays and... God opens her up, and uh, lo and behold, Jacob is born. And Jacob, uh, his Rachel, was barren uh, until uh, God intervened, and then Joseph was born, who becomes really the deliverer of the people during a tremendous time in Israel's history. And this is a through line throughout Scripture, right? It starts out from the very beginning of all of these women that could not give birth, they were totally barren. But then you have you have illustrations throughout the Bible. You have Jonah that is buried in the, the heart of a, a whale, in, in the belly of a fish, in the depths of the water. There's no way that he could come out. He's as good as dead there. You have seeds that are buried in the ground. Then Mark 4 says that there's a mystery of the seed. Will it ever come out? You have Jesus in a tomb, and he is as good as dead. He is dead. And is there any possible way of resurrection? And what we've been talking about, we, we touched on it last time, was Israel was as good as dead as a people, as a nation. It looks like there's no hope. Hope. This story is not going to come to pass as it should. And out of the ashes, out of the grave, out of the tomb, we have new life once again. Yeah. Yeah. And this has been predominant throughout their entire history. I mean, for centuries, uh, the Jewish people have endured trials and tribulations, including a dispersion that lasted uh, almost 2,000 years. The land has been under the domination of foreign powers for some 2,500 years. This is the time known as the time of the Gentiles, the times of the Gentiles. And so this history has gone from the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Medo-Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, all the way down through history until the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, and that resulted in a worldwide dispersion of the Jewish people. And even when they were in dispersion, I mean, you had the Spanish Inquisition and Russia under the czars, which is why my grandparents, your great-grandparents, escaped Russia and came to the United States uh, when they did uh, the beginning of the 20th century. You had Nazi Germany. You know, an interesting uh, 
facet of all of this, as we look at it, I look at it this way, that we had World War I, and that prepared the land for the people. And we had World War II, that prepared the people for the land, and we have a great time of tribulation coming, uh, and more and more people are talking about World War III. I think that's the tribulation time. It's going to prepare the people for their Messiah. Say that again. We have World War One. World War One prepared the land for the people. Yeah. You had the Balfour Declaration. You had uh, the Romo Conference. Um, World War Two prepared the people for the land. Yep. Great the desperation, Holocaust. right? And the next great world war, if you want to call it that, and the Great Tribulation, is going to prepare the people for their Messiah. Yeah. So we have all of these uh, events throughout history, and then we have events still yet to come that are unfolding before our eyes, and we're really at a tipping point here in, in world history and the fulfillment of biblical prophecy, and you see that there are people who are falling away, there are people who are losing hope, they don't want to be a part of any of this anymore, yeah. um, but we certainly are, like we just said in the last episode, that we are in, in these last days, and God is bringing his people back to the land that he promised way back in the beginning to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. Yeah, and I hear people say a lot, uh, boy, I wish I would have been alive in biblical times, <laughs> and uh, you know it would have been a lot easier to believe. Well, you're alive in biblical times today. The things that are happening today are of biblical proportion, and it's unfolding right in front of your eyes. You know, we're at a tipping point in world history and in the fulfillment, really, of biblical prophecy. And the most significant prophecy of our day is what we have been talking about and alluding to is the ultimate regathering and then the spiritual awakening of Israel. Yeah, and really all of that comes down to this this passage that we'll probably park here for just a couple minutes is in Ezekiel 37. Yeah. And it's yeah. this question, it's this asking, son of man, right? So Ezekiel's taken to this valley and uh, he's looking around and he sees this valley of dry bones. It's again, once again, it's death. Can there be any life here? And the question, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord God, you know. And these dry bones, they're brought back to life, and it's symbolic of the revitalization of Israel. Yeah, and, and then God says to Ezekiel, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, uh, just says the Lord God to those bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and come to life. I will put the sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. Yeah, so he sees this valley of dry bones and one time there was life and now it's gone. Yeah. And and he if there's any if there's any question as to who he's talking about and what this metaphor is, he says in verse 11 he says son of man these bones are the whole house of Israel. And behold they say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. And these dry bones, this dry bone state has really been what has characterized our people over the last 2,000 years. Yeah, it's amazing. 
I was a part of those dry bones at one point. Yeah, yeah, you know? for just a little bit. Yeah, well, till I was 26 years old, I was part of the dry bones. I, I knew nothing. <laughs> so let, let's make this clear. When we say this idea of the dry bones, are we talking about a physical restoration of Israel back into the land? Or are you talking about a spiritual? Because when you say 26 years old, yeah. um, you, you were not, that, that's when you became a believer, a follower of Yeshua. Yeah. Um, but when you were born in 1949, Israel was already a nation for a year. Yeah. So yeah. you're talking about a spiritual restoration when we're talking about this Valley of Dry Bones. Ultimately, yeah, a spiritual rest restoration. But before the spiritual restoration takes place, right. there has to be a physical restoration. And this valley was nothing but death. In fact, what was interesting, uh, Mark Twain wrote a book uh, that it was published in 1881, but he visited Israel in 1867. One of the first Israel tours. Yeah. <laughs> there was not much there, according to him. Uh, uh, you get flights out there real cheap. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Did they have planes? Not in no. 1967. A 1867. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. So, it, but he wrote a book called The Innocence Abroad. And in that, he wrote a description of what he saw. And he said that was a desolate country whose soil is rich enough, but has been given over wholly to weeds. A silent, mournful expanse. A desolation is here that not even imagination can grace with the pomp of life and action. We never saw a human being on the whole route. Uh, there was hardly a tree or a shrub anywhere. Even the olive and the cactus, those fast friends of the worthless soil, had almost deserted the country. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, what what an epitaph that yeah. is. Yeah, not, not a very great endorsement. If you go to our Israel page on our website, we don't really bring that up. It's not a very good uh, sales spot right there yeah. for, for Israel. And... Yeah. Having gone to Israel multiple times now, you see that Israel is nothing like that anymore. In fact, some of the early pioneers, they had to clear out the marshlands. I mean, there was there was swamps the, there. They had to do irrigation like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, there was malaria and people were getting sick left and right. And now there are parts of Israel where anything grows. Yeah. They can grow anything and they've become a major exporter for really the entire Territory, all, all of Europe uh, gets a ton of produce from them. Yeah. Some of the greatest minerals and most needed minerals in all of the world are there. Yeah. And they're even finding ways to sustain themselves uh, with water um, from the Mediterranean. They're, they're going through their desalination plants and they're yeah. actually restoring and making yeah. fresh water once yeah. again. Well, not only that, but off, uh, off the coast in the Mediterranean, they've discovered a major gas field out there. Yeah. The natural, largest, natural largest gas in the world. The, the largest in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Lebanon's trying to make some claim to it, but uh, ain't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So can these dry bones live? Well, we are in the midst and in the time right now where we see that they are indeed, they are alive. They're coming alive and, and taking root once again. So this, this piece that Ezekiel sees, we are living in the time of the prophetic fulfillment of that time. Yeah. Of what he saw. Yeah. yeah. And that question that, that you just said, uh, you know, that's posed, can these dry bones live? It's a question that has divided the church throughout the ages and even divides believers today. How so? Well, because we have predominantly, I mean, 75% of the church is replacement theology. That is that uh, they, they believe that uh, God is finished with Israel and now the church is the new Israel. And that is far from the truth. It's far from 
Paul's theology, and, uh, you know, it seemed impossible, I guess, as our Jewish people were scattered to the four corners of the earth, uh, you know, how would these bones ever come together and live? And yet, there's a promise that has just echoed through the ages, emphasizing God's commitment to his chosen, his covenant people. And the evidence of a prophetic fulfillment is just overwhelming as God promised to bring his people back home into the land that he swore unconditionally to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, I remember as, as a kid, I was just graduating high school, I was 18 years old, and Israel was in the middle of the Six-Day War in 1967. And uh, I, I remember watching George Putnam on the news. For all you guys who were my generation, you remember George Putnam. But he was talking about mighty little Israel. And I had no idea what God was doing, really, at 18. But I remember that now as I look back, God had his hand on this people bringing them back into the land yeah, and, and it's amazing now to see that not only is this tiny little country the size of Lake Erie on the front page of the news all the time, it's it's contested constantly, even though it's it's less than 1% of the entire Middle East as far as land mass, and, and even smaller when you look at percentage of population of all of the people living in the Middle East. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can look at a map, and Israel is a dot compared to all of the nations surrounding it as enemies, you know, and you kind of ask the question, who's threatening who? Yeah. So the Jewish people uh, always have been and still are today. They are the chosen and covenant people of God. And that goes back, and we said this, it goes back to it goes back to Genesis and it, it goes even into Exodus. And in Exodus 19, it says, if you will obey me and fully keep my covenant, then out of all of the nations, you will be my treasured possession. And the very next sentence, God reveals why he chose them. He says, although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Yeah. And still today. Um, this is God's plan, and this is his covenant, yeah. but he's expanding this. Yeah, he, ha he had to be looking at that with an eye toward the last days. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the prophets all had this proclamation that God gave, which was all looking toward the last days. Uh, Jeremiah, you know, said, I'm, I'm bringing them, he said through Jeremiah, I'm bringing them from the north country, and I will gather them from the remote parts of the earth, among the blind and the lame, the woman and the child, and she who's in labor. You know, God is going to bring them all back. Uh, they're going to come back weeping. You know, in Deuteronomy, Moses talked about the Lord will restore you from captivity. Zephaniah, chapter 3 and verse 20 said, at that time, I will bring you in, even at the time when I gather you together, indeed, I will give you renowned praise among the peoples of the earth. And I, as when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. So he all through the prophets and through the Torah, everything is focused pointing toward the last days when God is going to ultimately fulfill all of the restoration, not to Israel, but the whole world. Yeah. He'll, and he'll do it through Israel. Yeah. 
Yeah, Israel is the vehicle by which he is going to bring this salvation. He has already brought the Messiah who has atoned and paid for the sins of man. He's going to return and he's going to establish the kingdom, that fourth temple that will be in Jerusalem. Yeah. And so when we look at Ezekiel 37, it's interesting. You can look that God is telling Ezekiel and he says this, he says to speak in his name and he says it two separate times. Uh, And this is significant because when God creates, he speaks. In fact, creation, our, our universe is two words, right? Uni and verse, single spoken word. It was out of a single spoken word. God said, let there be, and then there was. Uh, and in the end of times, when when the Lord comes back, when Yeshua comes back and he defeats the armies of the Antichrist, he destroys them, it says, with the breath of his mouth. Yeah. When he speaks, things happen. So what does he say? Uh, he's commanding Ezekiel, he says, to speak as God's mouthpiece. And so what does Ezekiel say? He says, I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. You see the coming together. It's it's speaking life, and it's speaking new creation into that which was dead. What verse were you quoting? Uh, That's uh, Ezekiel 37, 7. Yeah, so the the reestablishment of the nation of Israel then stands at this point as as a pivotal moment that really affirms God's promises and uh, just setting the stage for the fulfillment of his prophetic and divine purposes, if we can say it that way. Uh, But that's not the end of the story. There's more. What's the end of the story? Ezekiel says in the next verse, he says, I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. There was no spirit in them. Hmm. So is that the end? of what God wanted to achieve. You know, Israel's back in the land. There's flesh on the bones. You know, that part of the prophecy is fulfilled, but God has an even greater miracle to come. You know, we talk about Israel in 1948, Mm. but there's an even greater miracle than that that's going to come. And that miracle is the rebirth of the spirit of the people of God. Yeah, yeah, he's going to breathe into them. In fact, the next couple of verses, he said... Ezekiel says, God said to him, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. See, they're back in the land. They've, the bones are together, and yet he refers to them still as slain. They're, they're not alive. So Ezekiel says, I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Hmm. I mean, this is really amazing. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is resurrection language. It is. And so they come, they come together, and, and really what he's saying is, he says, I'll bring you into the land of Israel. You will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and I raise you from your graves, O my people. And he says, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land and then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. This, this is a rising of Israel from the dead, from the graveyard of history. Um, and it's really, it, it shows, it's a testament of the faithfulness of God, right? Yeah, it, it is. Uh, you know, the reestablishment of the nation 
1948 stands really as that pivotal moment uh, affirming God's promises and really setting the stage for the unfolding of God's ultimate plan for Israel and for the whole world. This is where we are in history. We're right there today, folks. The dry bones have come together and we're on the brink of a spiritual awakening in Israel. That moment when God is going to breathe spirit, breathe his ruach into them. And and I'll say that it's not just that we're on the brink and it's something that is about to happen. It it will happen on a much greater scale, but it is happening even right now. Um, You know, we we have a friend uh, in Israel, Michael Mistretta, who leads FIRM, Fellowship of Israel Related Ministries. Uh And they just had, well, actually twice in the last couple months, there have been a couple of instances. Uh, One was on Shavuot or Pentecost. They're on the southern steps and there's a worship gathering on the southern steps in Jerusalem, and there's Messianic believers that are praising the Lord there. They're worshiping, and who shows up? There are, there are anti-missionaries that are coming, a part of the Orthodox community in Israel trying to stop them. Mm-hmm. There was actually another instance just a couple weeks ago that there were some Messianic songwriters, some Jewish songwriters, and word got out that they were going to be there and that there was a a gathering of Israeli believers that are taking place. They were singing, they were writing new songs to be sung in the congregations in Israel. And once again, there is this outcry, there is this uh, group of the Jewish people, Jewish people that have yet to mm-hmm. come uh, to faith and they're trying to stop. It's it's not it's not the enemies of Israel. It's actually Israel themselves it's, trying to stop them. Yeah. Well, it, it's really kind of a reflection going back even to the first century, where mm. uh, you know Yeshua was you know opposed, where Paul and Barnabas were opposed, where Peter was opposed. All of really anybody who is going to speak the truth and follow the Lord, you're going to face opposition. Yeah. Okay, so that is, let, let's put a bow on it for now, and let, yeah. let's put a pause right here, because that is really, a, and it's a very cursory, very high-level overview of God's covenant people, uh, the chosen people who are the Jewish people. And in our next episode, what we want to talk about is the other chosen people, mm-hmm. and that is the commissioned people. Right. And we have to make a little bit of a of a, a caveat here that that is not just the Gentiles, right? that the Jewish people are not just part of the chosen people, the covenant people, but they are also part of the commissioned people. And that's where a lot of us get something mixed up there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where it gets a little bit confusing. And we want to jump in and see if we can shed a little light on that. That's right. All right. So until next time, hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging in there with us. And we will do this again very, very soon. Until next time, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Shalom, y'all. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem.